On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the report that the Thunder are looking for a big on the trade market. How did OKC get here? What moves can they make? Let's even talk some NBA draft. Why not? On today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, lead beat writer over at InsideTheThunder.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are joined by Derek Parker at DParkOK on Twitter and publisher at InsideTheThunder.com to discuss the Thunder's potential at the trade deadline, the NBA draft, and some of the biggest surprises so far around this team. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your uh, first bet of $5 or more wins. So check it out today by visiting FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenally. You know, we uh, we picked up a new beat writer, something I have never considered myself over at the prestigious InsideTheThunder.com. It's a great day to have a great day. It is fantastic. I really appreciate uh, being aboard on the team now. That was something that we've talked about for a while and made it happen um, this week, launching it on Thursday. So already five articles out by the time you're listening to this and more to come uh, throughout the day in the coming days. So there's going to be a lot of content coming at you about the Thunder. It's been a lot of fun at InsideTheThunder.com uh, as part of Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated. But Derek, this season has also been a lot of fun. And there's so much to hit today. Let's just start, though. To set everything up, I think it's important to go backwards of how the Thunder got to this point. So let's tackle you know, the biggest surprise of this season. And, and I think that that is their uncommon maturity and the way that they've handled some adverse situations such as this January stretch. To get 11 wins in January with all of the things that went against them in terms of scheduling, in terms of travel, and then playing Denver without J-Dub or Isaiah Joe was huge. I think that that level of rising to the occasion in big spots and leaning on young players to do so has been extremely uh, surprising that they're this good this fast in that category. But for you, what would you consider some of the biggest reasons why or biggest surprises why the Thunder sit right now at 33 and 15? Yeah, I think you touched on it there with the just the level of maturity is one. Like that's an easy one. Obviously, this is the youngest team in the NBA. It's it prior to this season it is one of the youngest teams of all time and just the way that they've operated it is borderline unheard of joe masato put in his story today that i think it was the team has only gotten to 45 wins the the youngest team has only done this twice and both times were oklahoma city once in the kd era and once this time so this is unprecedented levels of maturity happening for young teams and it's impressive that it's sustained a rebuild like this is obviously an organizational like pillar which is such a great thing to have especially as a small market and then the other thing i think for me is just the levels at, at which jalen williams and chet holmgren have operated this season i mean they have they have been borderline all-stars you know they weren't selected to the reserves today but they've been there in spirit all season long you know chet i know he had a, a rough end of his january but 
prior to that, he was operating at a near MVP level, like in terms of just statistical anomalies and the impact, like all of his advanced metrics were right there with MVP guys. And obviously that's not him this season. He's not an MVP candidate. He's not going to be near that this season, but in your first year, that's showing something and that's showing that you can be that down the line. That's incredible. And then J-Dub, obviously his stuff speaks for itself. The volume is off the charts. He's handled that secondary creator role really well. And I mean, these two guys are a huge reason that this team has been as surprising as it's been. So, you know, the, the surprise and the shine is, you know, wearing off a little bit. It's just became uh, or become more natural for, for what to expect from this team night in and night out. With that being said, let's talk expectations because you and I talked a lot this summer, this offseason, and then previewing this year back in October about what the expectations should be on this Thunder team. And I think that, you know, we were both looking at, hey, you know, make the top six in the West. That'd be that'd be fantastic and put up a good fight in the first round. That'd be awesome. Now that you've seen half a season's worth of sample size and we're right up against the all-star break, have your expectations at all changed for this Thunder team? Oh, a hundred percent. I think I picked them to win 43, 44 games prior to the season. And they're at what? 33 already. So yeah, they've blown my expectations out of the water. And not only that, completely shifted my view of the team in the process. Now I'm not going to say that there's some finals contender finals team, anything like that, but of course they've, they've changed what I thought their ceiling was within the bounds of this year. I think that whenever you look at this season, that they are in a great position to have home court advantage in the first round. And if you would have said that on October 1st, people would have laughed you out of the room as like the most obnoxious homer that there ever was. And it's been their actual legitimate life uh, to this point in the NBA season. They still have not gone on a three-game losing streak. So think about how many times that you've seen the sky fall on Twitter, and it's 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 never been that bad. And whenever you look at this team, I think that the expectations have changed a little bit just due to what you expect night in and night out from Shea, what you expect night in and night out from, from even young players like J-Dub, like Chet. Uh, but in the overarching sense, what's good about this year is that there's still no immediate pressure. Like if they just, if they do get ousted in the first round in seven games, it's not as though this is a failure or that this core is not successful or that there's any pressure uh, ultimately uh, on next year you know, or, or building up. Obviously, though, they're in a really good position to at least win a playoff series, which is something that they have not done since Kevin Durant left town. Like they have not won a playoff series since then. And when you have SGA, who I think is the leader in the clubhouse right now for the MVP, and you have Chet and you have Jada and you have this talented depth, plus whatever happens next week, then I think that it's it's well within reason to have them go win a playoff series. Obviously, it'll be matchup dependent, and, and there's some teams that are better matchups than others for the Thunder. But where are you at on the postseason? Because for me, I view it as kind of disrespectful to just think that this Thunder team, once the calendar turns to April, is just going to forget how to play, play basketball. That's counterintuitive to my human nature to go with the side of you've got to go through wars in the postseason. You've got to experience it. But while I was saying that in the beginning of the year, and I still believe that in an overarching view, but for this particular team who has shown throughout this 82-game season so far that they can win in so many different ways in, in games where they're playing fast in transition as they like to, in games where they're shooting the cover off the ball, and in games where 
They can't hit water out of a boat, and they found ways to win anyway. Because of the different avenues that they've taken to win games, I feel even more confident that they can win a playoff series. But without knowing the matchups right now, how do you feel about that level of, of expectation on OKC? Yeah, I think to the earlier point about expectation shifting, it's almost shifted from it would be disappointing to not see them in a playoff series to it would be disappointing to see them lose a playoff series, the, the first playoff series. So we're looking at them in a whole new light now. And like you just touched on, like we don't know what team they're going to play, very dependent on matchups. Is the experience enough? Like that's going to be the biggest question leading up to those games is, is this team experienced enough to beat a team in seven games? And I think there's a lot of little footnotes that we could talk about. Like you said, they haven't lost three games in a row. They have only lost four games in a seven game stretch one time this season. And I believe it was really, really early. So I expect them to have home court. I can't see that much of a slide, especially coming off rest after all-star. And if they have home court, if they're one of the higher seeds in the West, looking at the middling West teams right now, I almost expect them to get a series. And that's just kind of how it is. Like you said, they can win in so many different ways. They're not pigeonholed to winning in a certain way or, or making other teams fit their specific style of play. They can do it in a ton of different ways. They're versatile. It's almost an expectation. And it almost should be as a team that's that's occupied the first spot in the West for a few, a few games now. And, and that's what's so fascinating about this Thunder team is that that is the expectation of like what they are going to be able to achieve and what they've shown to this point on paper. If for whatever reason that they don't do that, it's still not some like massive deal. Obviously, it'd be disappointing just by the simple nature of like how good that they've shown to be uh, throughout this course of this season. But it still is not a a big picture flaw. And if they win a playoff series, then you know you build that confidence. Then you've actually done it before. Now you've coached a playoff series if you're Mark. You've played in a playoff series if you're the whole team. Because you know even though SGA and Dort have played in the postseason, they've never played in the postseason like this, like as these versions of themselves. Or for Lou Dort a real playoff series that's not in the bubble. So like even those guys who technically do have career playoff games, uh, it's tough to even consider those experiences uh, in the grand scheme of things. Now, Shea did get to play in Oracle and got to play in a ton of uh, competitive games with the Clippers and, and with the Thunder going to seven against the Rockets. But again, he wasn't the guy. But once you get that one and you get over the hump, whether it comes this year or next year, I think it'll come this year. And once you get that, then it becomes all bets are off and you have a player who in a star-driven league is one of the best in the world in SGA, and you have two all-star caliber players next to him, if you put that resume on paper, that you have one of the most respected coaches in the NBA, one of the best scorers in the NBA and an MVP-level player, and two all-star caliber guys next to him, that resume, no matter what market they're in, no matter what their birth certificate says, is a championship-level resume. Now, that's obviously not going to be the goal, uh, or I should say the expectation this season, but moving forward in the future, it just shows you why Things are, are so positive and, and exciting around Bricktown right now. Yeah, 1,000%. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better. We're going to get into trade deadline season because we got a little bit of slop, a little bit of rumors, a little bit of, uh, of tea, if you will, about the trade deadline from Sham Sharania of The Athletic via the Kenny Beecham podcast. We're going to get into that and talk about the draft too at the end uh, on today's show. But first, let's say right now, Derek, to go over to our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is awesome. And it's the perfect time to go to FanDuel. You want to know why, Derek? Because it is Super Bowl season. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate America's number one sports book and FanDuel. Would like to make your Super Bowl Sunday fantastic because if you're like me, you want to go score a spot on that couch, grab some football snacks, and start making super bets at FanDuel. If you're a new customer, 
you can place that $5 bet. And if it hits, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets because of it. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. But you don't have to wait for the big game. You can also check out NBA lines as well with our good friends over at FanDuel. For example, you can look at this Thunder Hornets game, which is coming up on Friday, and see what you want to put some scratch on there with the Thunder. 16 and a half point favorites. That's a massive line at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Check them out today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. Check out the Lockdown Sports Today YouTube channel, a 24-hour live stream of all the biggest stories in sports. And check out InsideTheThunder.com where you can find my work and Derek's as well. Derek, we did write about Shamsarania reporting the Thunder are willing to look for a veteran big man at the trade deadline, but they ultimately want to see this young core write it out. We knew about the young core thing getting confirmation from the biggest newsbreaker in the sport that the, that the Thunder are willing to look for. And, and if the price is right, want to get a veteran big man is something to, to discuss. Whenever you heard this news from the Kenny Beecham podcast, again, with Sham Sharani and Kenny Beecham, who were some of those veteran bigs that came instantly to mind that you think could help the Thunder? I mean, I think it's a short list, first off, just because of the nature of what the Thunder want. You know, we've we've seen now for a few drafts and and for several seasons of the archetype of guy that they want in terms of decision making, advantage creating, things like that. So really the only guy that like comes to mind as gettable, cheap, fits the mold is Kelly Olenek. And I I think you agree in that sense. I think you've talked about him before. Um I just don't see the the Drummonds and people of that type. I just, especially in, and I'm not saying it's Drummond specifically, he's had his issues in the past, but I don't think people realize how volatile one personality can be. Like all it takes is one personality, be it a backup big, be it a starter, be it a 16th guy to throw things off a little bit, mix things up and, and suddenly your team chemistry is plummeted. I don't think they risk that on someone that doesn't drastically alter the on-court product. So I lean no one, but I, I guess Kelly Olenek, if I had to throw out a name. That's interesting. I think that, you know, to play devil's advocate a little bit, when you look at the trade deadline, you look what the Thunder could do. I kind of view it as, as you know, whenever you go make a move like this, you're not obligated to, to play them any certain amount of minutes. And it's just putting a tool back in your toolbox or uh, as Mark Fox used a lot of baseball analogies, getting another payoff pitch to use whenever you can't blow them away with your fastball. And I think back to uh, Rick Carlisle with the Dallas Mavericks, putting in uh, Boban Marjanovic against the Clippers. And obviously that was not someone that they leaned on in the regular season or leaned on in that playoff series a big ton. But when they put him in to junk up that zone and, 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 to, and to give the Clippers a different look, it worked out. And so just to have the threat of if teams play you that certain way that you can go to that, uh, I think is worth it to get any sort of veteran big on the market, even if they don't exactly fit the Thunder style, uh, because sometimes you want to change your style uh, you know, as best you can. Now, granted, uh, the Thunder style for locking size has worked out for them a ton. It's obvious by their record, but also by their style on the court. And even against bigger teams, they've been able to turn them over a ton. They've been able to get out and run and outpace them uh, in these games. So that's huge as well. But the thing with with my point of view would be, you have 20 second round picks and this is the reason why 
Every time that the Thunder acquired a second round pick, people complained. And every time I pushed back saying that the second round pick is the currency of the trade deadline. It is what is used to go get veterans every single year. A tale as old as time, a song as old as rhyme, DP, for going to get veterans as second round picks. You have 20 of them. If you blow a couple on a guy who you're only going to play, maybe even, even if you only play him twice, you know, the, the whole time he's on your roster, it doesn't matter. It's worth it. Look at what Boston did going and getting Mike Muscala last year. You were able to get Dario Sarge from the Suns to upgrade that position. And Boston was able to take Muscala and didn't even need to play him, but they had the threat of his floor spacing and the threat of his ability without kind of altering their rotations all too much. So I think that that is the aspect that I would look at uh, at the deadline and at the big man position. There's obviously some gaudy names out there. I love Kelly Olenek. I'm not sure what that would look like, though. I love P.J. Washington. Not sure what that would look like. Uh, Gordon Hayward, if you want to count him as a big man, would be fascinating. So there are names out there, and I do believe the Thunder will do something. I agree with Shams, though. It's not going to be some top-tier, high-level name. It's going to be on the margins, which is what they did last year, and it really helped them down the stretch. DP, do you think the Thunder will do anything come Thursday? I lean nothing. If anything, I would think it would be some sort of facilitation, maybe kicks and picks down the road, if at all. Um, if there is something happening... My absolute best guess would it be would be it being with the Wizards just due to the relationships there, the fact that they've reportedly been mandated to add more draft picks, the Wizards have. And I think they've got these decent options kind of in the high, middle, and low like shopping range with Kuzma is a wing that can do a lot of things with the ball in hand with the ball without. And then you've got Daniel Gafford, who's the potential big man that people would like to see maybe on the pricier side but very much in the vein of like traditional big man could give you that athleticism boost, get your rebounds. And then there's Denny Avdia, who a lot of people think is very thundery again, maybe a little in the pricier range, but could add a lot of things to this team. So if anything, I see a deal with the wizards. I still lean nothing though. I just, I lean nothing. Yeah. I think they don't make a move on the margins or at least make a move period, because I, I would be shocked if they didn't Darius Baisley Poku. I could just, just kind of get them, get them away given the history of Sam Presti and impending restricted free agents and the way that that's gone so far this year uh, with Poku and the Thunder. I think that that's going to be a bargain f- uh, that's willing to happen. And then look at the Suns. Again, the, the Suns took back Paisley, didn't even really play him, and still gave up Sarge, who uh, was, was able to be a valuable player for OKC. So you know, I think that we'll see something. The degree of what that something is, is it something like uh, Kelly Olenek, who, who I think would instantly impact this rotation, was it something uh, even less, uh, you know, you know, move needle moving than that? Uh, or is it LeBron James? Is it LeBron James who's is apparently it? getting traded? I mean, I'm not going to say I have sources, but I tweeted yesterday the jersey swap. Today we get the report that he's on the table. You it's put whatever. this out there. This was credit DP, credit inside the Thunder uh, for any LeBron trade that might happen, no matter who they're going to uh, or, or what the trade deals are. Now, it's so hard to even think about what a LeBron trade would be like. Like, what leverage would the Lakers have that he's, you know, even though he's supremely talented, that he's, you know, if he really did demand a trade, that he's able to be a free agent, wants to go play with his son anyway, and things aren't working out with LA, how much could you extract for this 40-year-old star uh, we've never seen something like this before. Uh, a player like him have so much value still, but also have so much leverage still. That what what would you craft? If I force you to craft a trade machine trade for 
the Thunder and LeBron off the top of your head, just in the ballpark of what you'd be willing to give up, mainly draft compensation wise, but anything else you want to talk about too, uh, what would be your immediate thoughts? It'd be a few picks, few prospects, but it, there there is zero percent chance it happens. For one, you'd have to be talking about these these deals way in advance because this is one of the more intricate deals of this generation. Two, LeBron doesn't want to be traded. He doesn't want that yep. stain on his career as a guy who was ever traded. He doesn't want it. He wants to pick where he wants to go in a year or so. The Lakers might want to do it. No one wants to take that risk, especially at the asking cost. Like it's just. It's so intricate. It's so like high level. It's just, it's not going to happen. No way. Exactly. And even and even if he did want to be traded and didn't care about the reputation of being traded, it, intricacy of it is a big deal. Like how many times have you seen even the lesser players in LeBron, uh, you know, want out but not be able to get moved into the summertime because it's just easier. It's easier mm-hmm. financially. It's easier just with the unlocking of picks to make these kind of deals at, in the summertime uh, than it is in the middle of a freaking season. So it's not going to happen. But the, the conversation that I had yesterday on the show after seeing Vasa go off against uh, against Denver. This is a common theme in baseball of like a guy, a guy starts contributing or, or gets healthy or whatever. And after being a, after a long layoff and they say, well, that was our trade deadline acquisition. Vasa, if he's able to start contributing at a high clip, especially the way he did against Denver, that is kind of an artificial trade deadline acquisition as a guy who's a proven winner. And if, if you lay this Thunder team out besides rebounding in size, which is, is partly like by design, like, all right. So if we acknowledge that the Thunder want that issue and it's, and they've, they've partly wanted to have that flaw. So it's not really a flaw in that case. The only other thing that you can talk about is their inexperience, their youth and, and worrying about how they're going to handle big games. Well, here's a guy who's a two-time Euro League champion and MVP who's played 14 professional seasons and in massive big games. If anyone out there can steady the waters for a young Thunder team, it'd be Vasa Micic playing like he did last night. What do you make of, of his night last night and also that kind of idea that he might be this kind of art- artificial uh, improvement at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, I think you comparing him to LeBron like you just did right there uh... – <laughs> no, just joking. Why why get the American goat when you can get the EuroLeague goat, right? Um, he's great. He's phenomenal. I think the conditioning held him back early, but now we're really seeing him blossom as that secondary creator that everyone knew he could be. He's been really, really good in areas I didn't necessarily expect him to be, especially defensively and finishing near the rim, I thought would be a huge adjustment. And after a little grace period, he's been really good there. So like you said, if he's going to come on as a contributor late, Obviously, he's not going to help a ton in rebounding, but he does fill a lot of gaps that you could necessarily like get on the trade market via veterans. So he's a veteran himself. He, he said it last night in the postgame. So he's good. I hope he sticks in this rotation because he's really fun to watch. So we'll see. It's exciting stuff. What's also exciting is our good friends over at Prize Picks. They're available in Oklahoma, and it's a lot of fun. It's daily fantasy sports made easy go there right now to prize picks because if you're an nba fan which you are listening to a daily podcast about the nba you're gonna love prize picks all it is is you pick two to six players and you project will they have more or less than their prize pick projected number so for example will chet holmgren have more or less than a block and a half tonight against the hornets will he have more or less than seven and a half rebounds tonight against the hornets if you cash those in, obviously you win. That's all there is to it. You're not competing against these sharks who know everything about fantasy sports. It's just you versus the numbers. Prize picks, though, is also great because they're the only 
daily fantasy platform to offer you a reboot policy. DP, huge NBA guy, obviously. You know that randomly at times you can just see guys pop up on the injury report and then all of a sudden not play. So if you set your entry in the morning or in the afternoon or in the early evening, then come tip-off time, that player is no longer playing or was a game-time decision is now not playing or gets hurt in the game, you're going to get the reboot policy, an injury insurance policy uh, for your entry from Prize Picks. So check it out today at Prize Picks. And whenever you do, go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA or use code all lowercase locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's a first deposit match up to $100. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms and check out insidethethunder.com. Derek, before we get into draft talk, you alluded to it earlier, All-Star Reserves came out and SGA is the only Thunder All-Star. J-Dub and Chet both left off the reserves list. I've made my opinion known on InsideTheThunder.com with that article. But what's your opinion? What, were they snubbed? Was this deserved? What's your opinion on them being left off the All-Star team? So prior to actually seeing the team, I was like, I mean, Oklahoma City second in the West. Like I've covered every game of this team. I think they exude all-star impact between the three of those guys. But after seeing the list, it makes sense. Like there's guys that I think were snubbed even ahead of the Thunder guys, like Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren, as I alluded to earlier, have been phenomenal, like bona fide all-stars. But they're just not there yet. They're young. You get it. You move on. You've got future all-stars. You've got quasi current all-stars. Like I think they made the right call. Maybe not on all of the picks specifically, but on, on leaving a few guys off. Yeah. I think that when you look at this, it's, it's really just a statement about how talent rich the NBA is than on an indictment of what Jada and Chet have done. Jada and Chet have without a shadow of a doubt played in an all-star level uh, this season. Like they, they have for sure been there, but you look at the reserves and it's, it's Anthony Edwards. It's, it's Steph Curry. It's, it's Kawhi. It's Paul George. It's, 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 you know, Davis and Cat and all those guys where there's just not any room in, in these, in these lists. Now I think it's silly that the NBA has not expanded the all-star roster to reflect a, a more traditional NBA roster nowadays, but uh, they haven't. And so without as talented as the league is, you're just always going to have these guys who fall off. I know it's frustrating. I know that you want to you know support your guys and, and, just take solace in the fact that like, I think that especially like with Jada and Chet, like it's pretty well known around the NBA, people who observe the league, watch the league, cover the league and and just fans around the NBA understand their impact, understand that they are all-star level players. They just have not gotten to the game yet. And this is the same thing that happened to SGA where like he was playing at an all-star level uh, for a couple of years before he broke through and actually made his first all-star appearance last year. And now he's an all-star starter What's clear is that these two guys, having already gotten there in their second and first year respectively, they're going to be in this mix for a very, very, very long time. And it's going to be a lot of fun in Oklahoma City. But Derek, what might not be as fun is draft talk. Now, the Thunder have plenty of draft picks in the 2024 NBA draft. They have the creative ways to kick the can down the road, which we've seen every year these last two years, especially with Timber, actually, with both times. Uh, But what is this 2024 draft? Like what, what do you make of it just as an entire entity? I think it's always fun to talk draft. Firstly, we can talk draft anytime you want, Rylan. We can have a full draft pod tomorrow. I'm down, but I'm very much an, an optimistic 
draft evaluator. So hearing all of the experts and all of the mock draft makers say that it was lesser earlier in the year. I don't keep up with high school prospects as much. So I didn't know coming in really what I was getting into hearing that I, I found it in my best interest to kind of look at the bright side, try to be optimistic about it. And they're right. Like there's certainly much less talent near the very, very top, but I still think there's, there's positive ways to look at it. You know, for every miss hits are going to fall further and further down. There's going to be more uncertainty near the top, making it to where good players are going to fall. There's going to be good players in the NBA draft. Like that's just how it is. There might be less. There could be more. You never know. So it's funky. People are really going to have to do their research. It's it's going to be a wild, wild year. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that for me, the draft, like they might not pop uh, at the same level as the other drafts popped. But I the, the league in the NBA is so talented, which we talked about earlier. The sport is so global and the sport is so popular. I just, I don't know if, if you know, people aren't looking in the right places or aren't seeing the right things. I'm like, I just don't know how this sport can have a class that's this bad as it's being portrayed. I would agree that there's no, you know, there's no surefire superstars. There's no guys who I would even project to be superstars, but certainly there's going to be role players, contributors, starters that come out of this draft as there is most years. Uh, but we have seen some lean NBA draft production uh, uh, in the past. So it would not be all that stunning. Now, with that being said, the Thunder have a very thundery archetype, which we got into at the trade deadline talk. Who are some thundery guys in this draft? I think Kevin McCuller, who I've done a heat check on on my YouTube channel at Derek Dash Parker. I think he's going to be a guy who can jump in, contribute right away. Great locker room guy, has the mindset, can pass, can kind of shoot, working on it, defends his freaking butt off at every level, on ball, off ball, doesn't matter. He's going to be up there for sure. I think there are certainly some international wings that if they're not drafted in like the top 10-ish are going to be on the Thunder's radar in probably Tijan Salone. He's going to be up there. Um, Riz Shea is going to go really high, but I had him pegged for a Thunder guy earlier prior to his, his three-point shooting uh, season that he's having right now. There's a lot of guys. I mean, it... Truly from, from picks 15 to 45 is one giant jumbled mess. And it's going to be completely exciting in every way to sort that out. What do you think, if anything, that this draft has an overload of and, and something like a scarcity of? Mm, it's a good question. It's got a lot of good bigs, a lot of good bigs that I think could be good for a long time. You've got Donovan Klingon, very traditional big with some mobility. You've got Eves Misi out of Baylor. Same thing. Probably more of a power forward, but he's got a lot more athletic pop. You've got Oso Igadaro out of Marquette. He's going to be a stud. There's a bunch, a bunch of centers that I think could make long-term impacts. Scarcity, again, is probably just that elite talent. Like, of course, a draft is like going to have all-stars. I, I couldn't tell you right now who would end up an all-star. Like, that's really, really hard to project. Like, there's just not a guys that pop in terms of being creators, which I think is one of the main things you get with all stars um, is having, having that ability to do everything with the ball in hand. So there's just not that many guys that, that offer that. So I'd probably go with that. Do you have a guy yet? Who's like your guy? Maybe, maybe they're, they're not, 
you know, even with you consistent consensusly, like you have them above the consensus. Do you have one yet? Are you still looking for your guy or not ready to share? I'm still feeling my guys out. I'm still feeling them out. I'd say Eves Meese out of Baylor's one for sure. Um, Rob Dillingham out of Kentucky. Not so much anymore, but I was higher on the consensus prior to him actually getting high, I think. And now he's maybe even surpassed in the consensus what I initially thought. So that's exciting. Um, I, I'm still feeling my guys out. I'm still feeling my guys out. DP, you do some of the best draft stuff on YouTube and draftdigest.com. Explain the heat check model and give a little tease of what's coming up on heat check. Yeah. So the heat check model, uh, essentially grades what I believe to be the biggest factors in a, in a prospect, both currently and in the future. So I'll cover their athleticism in depth, their scoring, their defense, passing, playmaking, their kind of feel for the game. And then I'll do a swing skill, which will cover something specific to that prospect. And then at the end, I give them a grade and these are all time grades that live in infamy forever and are, are put on their permanent NBA record. They're actually stamped on the piece of paper when they're drafted, Derek Parker's draft grade. So that's a heat check. I got one dropping hopefully tomorrow. We'll see. Tomorrow's a busy day. But hopefully a certain Baylor bear is covered via heat check tomorrow. Sick them. DraftDigest.com, InsideTheThunder.com. You can find both of us writing over there at both of those websites. Deep Park, it's been a joy making this happen. What an announcement here on Lockdown Thunder. The only thing that changes for Lockdown Thunder is the intro. Everything else stays the same. Uh, but Derek, appreciate you uh, coming on the show today. And until tomorrow, whenever we recap the Hornets game, be good and be good to one another.